0: Hello and welcome to Bible 101. We're going to do lesson number two of our condensed Bible 101 series. This is lesson two of seven. In the last lesson, we talked about how that the Bible is uh, split into two major sections, the Old Testament and the New Testament. Think of it in the fact of, of the Old Testament uh, talking about the law and then the New Testament talking about grace. And for proof of that, you can go to the book of John. Let's flip to the book of John. That's in your New Testament. It's the fourth book in your New Testament. It comes right after the book of Luke, right before the book of Acts. If you need more time to find it, please feel free to pause the recording. John chapter 1 and verse number 17. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. It did not mean that we can just take and, and throw the Old Testament away. That's not what John was saying. However, Jesus fulfilled the... Old Testament. He fulfilled the law. And so it's split into these two major sections. So we started looking through the book of Genesis, and we talked about the creation account, and we talked about the fall of mankind in the Garden of Eden, how that God put only one thing in front of that one tree that he told them not to eat of to protect them from eating of it, and that was his word. And it's the same thing today. It It behooves us to learn the word of God, to know it by heart, And apparently, Eve was confused because she added a little command on and said, God said, Don't eat of it, and neither shall you touch it, lest you die. And some people have said that Adam uh, added that command on for her safety and her protection. That's possible, but I'd like to kind of focus on the fact that maybe she didn't know the Word of God very well, and the devil was able to trip her up and confuse her. That's why it's so important to study your Bible to learn it. And so, uh, when God came looking for them, rather than confessing their sin, because the Bible says, If we confess our sin, is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And in what you see is uh, that if we do not confess our sin, we cannot get forgiveness. That's 1 John 1 and 9. But it's all hinged on if. That, That word if is a very important word. It's a big word. They did not confess. They passed the blame. And God uh, cursed the ground for the sake of Adam he had worked by the, the sweat of his brow uh, he cursed Eve and when she bore children she would bear them in pain then he cursed the serpent to where the serpent would crawl on his belly all the days of his life and in the middle of all of these curses though came this promise that one day the seed of the woman would crush the head of the serpent he would bruise his heel but it would crush the head of the serpent this was a messianic prophecy And then God told them that in the day they ate that they would surely die. However, uh, God did not kill them physically that day. There was a substitute. He took coats of skins, which literally means animal skins, and clothe them. And so we need to remember this when we're studying this next story in the Bible. In the book of Genesis chapter number four, it starts off this way. And Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain and said, I've gotten a man from the Lord. The name Cain means acquisition. So she said, I have acquired. In other words, she's saying, I have acquired a man from the Lord. Now remember that God had already given the prophecy about uh, the fact that the, the head of the serpent would be crushed by the seed of the woman. So you know that the devil sat up and paid attention to that. So he's going to seek to corrupt the seed of the woman. And then she bore a second son, verse number two, and she again bare his brother Abel. Now the name Abel means exhalation or that which ascends. It actually is talking about brevity. It's talking about shortness of life. And uh, this is prophetic because Abel would live a very short life. Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. Verse 3, And in process of time it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. But unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth. And his countenance fell. Now, I like what one man said. He said, if you take God and you spell it backwards, it's D O G, and that's how a lot of people treat God. They want to bring him their scraps. Well, that's kind of what Cain did. He brought the fruit of the ground, which God had cursed, and threw it up there and said, All right, God, go ahead and accept it. But you see, God is not gonna accept what he had cursed. God had already set the precedent. An animal needed to die, excuse me, blood had to be shed. You can read in the New Testament, the book of Hebrews, that without the shedding of blood is no remission of sins. Now, this would not completely remit sin. Animal sacrifice wouldn't completely remit it, but it would push the penalty ahead. Remember, Romans 6, 23, the wages of sin is death. If you sin, something's got to die. And and really, you've got to die. You've got to pay that penalty. However, God provided a substitute. And we're going to see animal sacrifice all throughout the Old Testament. What it would do is it wouldn't completely atone for sin because the book of Hebrews, it says that it's not possible that the blood of bulls and goats uh, could completely atone for sin. But it did push the penalty ahead. And it's like a snowball effect where it kept growing and growing and growing until it gets to Calvary and Jesus pays it off in full. That's why he said it is finished, which is one Greek word which means paid in full. Okay, so uh, notice that they each brought a type of sacrifice. Abel brought of the firstlings of his flock. Cain brought of the fruit of the ground. Uh, Abel brought a blood sacrifice, which God had already set the precedent there. He paid attention to what God liked. However, Cain brought uh, of the fruit of the ground, that which God had cursed. And then when God didn't accept it, Cain got mad. Now, that's kind of what we have in our society today, there's a lot of people that don't like to read the Bible because they feel that the Bible condemns them, or they don't like to go to church because they feel like church condemns them. Well, here's the thing about it. You must understand. It's kind of like the attitude of Cain. It goes back to his attitude. When God didn't accept his sacrifice, Cain got mad. And that's what so many people want. They want God, accept my lifestyle as it is. And if you don't accept it, that makes me mad. And I don't have to follow you. I don't have to live for you. That attitude comes from Cain. And the Bible says Cain was of that wicked one. Well, that doesn't mean that he was born uh, literally a son of Satan. I've heard some people say that, but that doesn't necessarily mean that, but what it does mean is that Satan was a murderer from the beginning and Cain was a son of that murderer. He was driven by the spirit of Satan to do what he did. It was the devil that drove him to commit murder. And verse 6, and the Lord said unto Cain, why art thou wroth and why is thy countenance fallen? If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted. And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. Now, some people have pointed out that this could actually be talking about a sin offering lies at the door. God, in other words, made provision for Cain to overcome sin. That's why he went on to say, and unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. Or that can be translated you should rule over him Cain I'm giving you an opportunity to repent to admit you were wrong to go and offer the right type of sacrifice and if you do this you can rule over sin but that's not what Cain did God made provision it's the same thing today God has made provision for us to be reconciled with him but so many people want to hold on to their sin it's kind of like they they want to hold on to their rags rather than accept God's riches because they don't like the requirements Uh, for accepting God's riches. They don't want to have to pay the price for that. And so Cain didn't want to do the right type of sacrifice. Cain wanted to do what he wanted to do. He was hard-headed. He was stubborn. Verse number eight says, and Cain talked with Abel, his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and slew him. Now, why did he do this? Because Abel's lifestyle condemned him. And so many times we see that in our society today, that if you try to do what's right, if you try to live right, then other people are condemned by your lifestyle and so rather than make themselves right before the Lord they'll attack that which is righteous rather than listen to what the pastor has to say or the preacher has to say they they will feel condemned by what the preacher's saying so they'll attack the pastor we see that so much in our society today but that is obviously the wrong response and Cain was the first one the first human that we read about that attacked that which condemned him and so we see that's also driven by the spirit of the devil. And so this is what it says, verse number 9, The Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel that brother? Again, God asked a question. You're going to see that when God spoke in the beginning, He said, Adam, where art thou? He said, Uh, How did you know you were naked? Did you eat from the fruit of the tree, which I commanded you not to eat from? So God asks questions, not because he doesn't know the answer to him, but he wants us to do introspection. He wants us to think through our responses. God wants us to consider where where we're at. Well, notice in here, he says, where is Abel, thy brother? He's giving him an opportunity to confess. He's giving him that opportunity. But once again, just like his parents before him, Cain is not going to confess his sin. But he actually covered it up. He buried his brother. He slew him. And he said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? And he said, talking about God, what hast thou done? Another question. The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. Now remember, the ground had already been cursed because of Adam's sin. But watch this. God's going to take that curse and he's going to intensify it. Verse number 11, And now art thou cursed from the earth, which hath opened her mouth to receive thy brother's blood from thy hand. When thou tillest the ground, it shall not henceforth yield unto thee her strength. A fugitive and a vagabond shalt thou be in the earth. Now remember, God cannot dwell with sin. When sin entered the picture, when it came into Adam and Eve's life, God had to throw them out of the garden because sin brings separation between us and God. Well, what we're seeing here is a furthering of curse because sin brings with it a curse, but also we see a furthering of that separation between God and man. Because notice it says, "...a fugitive and a vagabond shalt thou be in the earth." Cain understood what this meant. Watch, verse 13. And Cain said unto the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, thou hast driven me out this day from the face of the earth, and from thy face shall I be hid. And I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond in the earth, and it shall come to pass that every one that findeth me shall slay me. And the Lord said unto him, Therefore, whosoever slayeth Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord set a mark upon Cain, lest any finding him should kill him. And Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod on the east of Eden. The land of Nod literally means wandering. Notice it's just east of Eden. How terrible would it have been to be in Cain's shoes and have to dwell just east of the presence of the Lord. Just east of where your parents once once walked with God and had a relationship with God. But here's Cain. Forever he would walk out from the presence of the Lord. That's the same thing that can happen to you and to me. If we ever sin against God and refuse to confess it and bury it under the earth and try to cover it up and never confess it, God gives us the opportunity to, to confess. Remember, 1 John 1 and 9. If we confess our sins. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Just like he said to Cain, he made provision for us to make reconciliation with him through Jesus Christ. But if you reject that reconciliation, if you reject God's plan, if you reject to submit and to allow the blood of Jesus Christ to be applied to your life, you too will be in the same shoes as Cain. You'll be constantly east of Eden, wondering what it must have been like in that garden wondering what it must be like to be in the presence of God but you're never going to be in his favor you've got to submit to God's plan you can't just say well God I think you ought to accept me just the way I am he does love you just the way you are but God doesn't want you to stay that way he wants to change your life he wants to make you a brand new creature in Christ Jesus the Bible says therefore if any man be in Christ he is a new creation And so God wants to make you a new creation. He doesn't wanna just take you and save you like you are. He wants to save you from your sin. That's what it says. He shall save his people from their sins. That's in the book of Matthew chapter one. And so what we're gonna see is that Cain uh, intensified the sin that his parents had committed. And rather than pass the blame, he actually tried to bury his sin under the earth and then when God punished him, he said, God, you're being too cruel. You're being too hard. And so many people want to uh, accuse God and they they want to say, well, God, what about the death in the earth? What about... Uh, What about the cruelty in the earth? What about this and that? Why don't you intervene and why don't you bring justice? Well, it's our sin that brought all of this cruelty into the earth. It's our sin that brought sickness into the earth, that brought pain, that brought suffering. Now that's a natural fact of life because of sin. Sin is what caused all of that. Sin brought the curse and sin brought separation between us and God. But God has a plan to bring us into reconciliation with him. So what we're going to see is then the rest of this chapter is actually, part of it is going to give us the descendants of Cain. So we're going to read quickly through this, and I'm not going to focus too much on it. I could, but if you want more in depth, again, go to the other Bible 101 series. We do talk more in depth about this, but I'm just going to read through this quickly. Cain went out from the presence of the Lord, dwelt in the land of Nod on the east of Eden. That's verse 16 of chapter 4 of Genesis. Verse 17, He came to his wife and she conceived and bare Enoch. That's interesting. And he builded a city. And it says, uh, and called the name of the city after the name of his son Enoch. Now to Enoch was born Irad, and Irad begat Mehujiel, and begat Methuselah, or uh, sorry, Methusiel, and Methusiel begat Lamech. And Lamech took unto him two wives. The name of the one was Ada, and the name of the other Zillah. And Ada bare Jabal, he was the father of such as well in tents, and of such as have cattle. And his brother's name was Jubal, he was the father of all such as handle the harp and organ. And Zillah she also bare tubal Cain, and in constructor of every artificer in brass and iron and the sister of Tubal-Cain was Nama. and Lamech said it to his wives Adah and Zillah hear my voice you wives of Lamech hearken unto my speech for I have slain a man to my wounding and a young man to my hurting if Cain shall be avenged sevenfold truly Lamech seventy and sevenfold now this shows that the line of Cain became worse and worse because here's Lamech just a few generations removed from Cain And now we see he didn't just kill one man. Notice what it says here. He killed two. He says, for I have slain, verse 23, I have slain a man to my wounding and a young man to my hurt. Okay, so what happened is he killed two men. Cain killed one, Lamech killed two. And then notice the skewed perspective here. Remember, God set a mark upon Cain, but that mark was really a curse. And he says, if Cain shall be avenged sevenfold, truly Lamech 70 and sevenfold, meaning he viewed the curse of God as a blessing. Wow. So that tells us that the line of Cain grew worse and worse. However, on the other hand, verse 25, remember Abel was killed and Adam knew his wife again and she bare a son and called his name Seth. The name Seth means appointed. It actually also means substitute. For God, said she, hath appointed me another seed, talking about a substitute, instead of Abel, whom Cain slew. Remember, Abel was the righteous one. Well, Seth is the substitute. Thank God we have a substitute, Jesus Christ, who died in our place. And so Seth was the substitute. And it says, And to Seth, to him also there was born a son, and he called his name Enos Thus uh, began men to call upon the name of the Lord." So when this substitute is born, it's like people's attention began to return unto the Lord. Sadly, though, this repentance was short-lived. In chapter 5 of Genesis, and I'm not going to take too much time here, but it gives us the family line of Seth. So we see here we have two separate lines. We've got the line of Cain, which is becoming more and more wicked, and then we've got the line of Seth. And we're going to find out while not everybody in Seth's line was righteous, there were righteous people within Seth's line. Okay, and we're going to go to verse number 16. And Seth lived in 105 years and begot Enos. And Seth lived after he begot Enos 807 years and begot sons and daughters. And all the days of Seth were 912 years and he died. And Enos lived 90 years and begot Canaan. And Enos lived after he begot Canaan 815 years and begot sons and daughters. And so we're going to read, live, begot, died, live, begot, died, live, begot, died. You're going to see that over and over and over again. However, I want to skip down because in the midst of all of this monotony, we're going to see something very, very important. Chapter 5 and verse number 21, And Enoch lived sixty and five years and begat Methuselah. And Enoch, all right, Enoch, it says, walked with God after he begat Methuselah three hundred years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Enoch were three hundred sixty and five years. And Enoch walked with God and he was not before God took him. So we're going to see within this family line, there's two in particular God's really going to focus on through his inspiration of the scriptures. Remember, Moses wrote the book of Genesis. And so uh, we see that these two figures are Enoch and Noah. Well, Enoch was important because he walked with God and God translated him. This is a beautiful type of the rapture, when if we just walk with God in the midst of a wicked world no matter how wicked the world gets one of these days God's going to snatch his bride out of this world thank God for that and so then it tells us skipping on down to uh, verse number uh, 28. And Lamech lived in 180 and two years, and begat a son, and he called his name Noah, saying, This same shall comfort us concerning our work and toll of our hands, because of the ground which the Lord hath cursed. And Lamech lived after he begat Noah 590 and five years, and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Lamech were 770 and seven years, and he died. And Noah was 500 years old, and Noah begat Shem, Ham, and Japheth. So we see that Noah is another one that the Bible is going to really focus on. Let's read chapter 6, verse number 1. And it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born unto them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were fair, and they took them wives of all which they choose. I understand there's differing opinions here. Let me give you my opinion. All right, I believe what this is saying is, remember, there's two family lines at this point in the earth. The line of Cain which is becoming more and more evil, more and more corrupt. But then we have the line of Seth, which is pure. Um, I understand not everybody in that line was perfect. However, we have at least two characters that the Bible points to because of their exceedingly uh, righteous works before the Lord, because they were pleasing in the sight of the Lord. And so verse 2 says that the sons of God saw the daughters of men that they were fair, and they took them wives of all which they choose. I believe that this means that the two lines uh began to enter Mary and so they became polluted. This this is what I believe. I'm just giving you my opinion here. Verse number 3 and the Lord said my spirit shall not always strive with man for that he also is flesh. Yet his days shall be 120 years. Now what some people believe is that that meant from this point uh to the flood would be 120 years. So God gave a space for repentance. And it says here, verse number four, and there were giants in the earth in those days, and also that after the, when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men, they bare children to them, the same became mighty men which were of, uh, old men of renown. Verse five, and God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, and the creeping thing, and the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. But thank God for verse 8. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Now, grace is not just a New Testament concept. It was in the Old Testament. It it means, in, in one, in one sense, unmerited favor. It's basically talking about the fact that Noah was not a perfect man, but he found grace in the sight of the Lord because he had a relationship with God. And so let me just tell you, you may not be perfect, but if you have a relationship with God, God will spare you on the day of judgment. I like how in the New Testament, in the book of Revelation, and uh, the Bible tells us about what Jesus said to the church of Philadelphia. He said, I shall also keep you from the hour of temptation that shall try the world. And so we see that because of their relationship with God, God was going to keep them uh, from that hour of, of great trial and great tribulation. Doesn't mean you won't ever face anything difficult, but Thanks be to God. You're going to be spared the wrath if you just submit to God and walk with God. That's what Noah was commended for. He walked with God. He had a relationship with God. So, verse number thirteen. And God said unto Noah, "The end of all flesh has come before Me, for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make thee an ark of gopher wood. Rooms shalt thou make in the ark, and shalt pitch it within and without with pitch. And this is the fashion which thou shalt make it of. The length of the ark shall be three hundred cubits. The breadth Width of it fifty cubits, the height of it thirty cubits. A window shalt thou make to the ark, and in a cubit shalt thou fashion it above. And the door of the ark shalt thou set at the side thereof. With lower, second, and third stories shalt thou make it. Now remember, Jesus fulfilled the Old Testament, and so we actually see some typology here. Notice that this ark is the instructions are very very specific. So when God gives the instructions it is clear that Noah better obey these instructions to the letter. And so you better believe he obeyed them to the letter. If Noah had disobeyed in any area, I don't believe the ark would have floated. He had to obey God's very specific instructions. He could have said, God, one door? You want all the animals to get in there through one door? That doesn't make much sense. God, one window? That doesn't make any sense. But he had to obey God's specific instructions. And so uh, notice that there's only one door. Well, this ark was their salvation from the flood And much in the same way that Jesus Christ is our salvation. The Bible says in John chapter 14, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. In another place, he said, I am the door. Jesus is the door. This is beautiful in typology. It's a type of Jesus. He is our salvation from sin. He is our salvation from the destruction that's going to come upon this world someday. Okay, and so I'm going to paraphrase here a little bit just for the sake of time. And tell you the story rather than take time to read it. So God sends a flood upon the earth, but God tells Noah to uh, to take seven of every clean animal and two of every unclean. And you can read that. A lot of people think it was two of every type of animal, but actually it says seven of every clean beast. You can read that in Genesis 7 and 2. Let's take time to read that. Of every clean beast thou shalt take to thee by sevens, the male and his female, and of the beasts that are not clean by two, the male and his female. And so they all go into the ark, Noah, his family. and But the Bible tells us in the New Testament that Noah was a preacher of righteousness. And so Noah's preaching on a continual basis, and he's preaching... And he's telling them, destruction's coming to this world. I'm telling you, destruction's coming. But they probably laughed at Noah and said, oh, he's crazy. It's never rained upon the earth. What's he talking about rain? What's he talking about a flood? We have never even heard of this rain he's talking about. But then, one day, they realized all too late that uh, that they were wrong. And so the Bible says, God shut the door. God shut the door. And so, what happened then is God sent the floodwaters and It consumed the earth. It flooded the earth. And uh, there's actually, there's scientific proof of this even today. Uh, And I'm not going to take time to get into that, but I do recommend some books by Henry Morris, uh, one of which talks about the flood. It's it's a good thing to read things like that. So you can know that the Bible is backed up by science. They're not in contest one with another. Science done right will actually prove the Bible text. Uh, But then, we we see that uh the flood waters come and it kills every man and every beast the only thing spared is that which is in the ark and so finally the ark comes to rest uh upon mount ararat and we read that the the flood stops noah sends out a a, a dove and finally and I'm, I'm making a long story short and of course there's a couple times he, he sends a bird out but then finally uh, it comes back uh, with a leaf in its beak and then Finally, it does uh, not return. And he understands that the flood waters uh, have rescinded from the earth. And so uh, what we see is that um, after this, Noah gets off the ark and he offers uh, the clean beast for a sacrifice unto God. And God makes a covenant and he says, I'm going to give the rainbow as a sign of my covenant that I will never again flood the entire earth for the sake of man. And so God... Uh, God made a covenant with us, and every time you see that rainbow in the sky after it rains, just know that that's God's reminder that He's never again going to flood the entire earth uh, for the sake of man. But sadly, the wickedness just continued, and just because God sent a flood did not mean that the wickedness would not continue. Uh, Noah drinks, he gets drunk, he lies naked in his tent. one of his sons, by the name of Ham, comes and looks upon his nakedness, makes fun of it. The other two sons walk backward; they cover his body. Remember, it's Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Well, Ham would uh, would be cursed by Noah because of this, and so we're going to see that after this wickedness just continues once again, and. Uh, Remember, God's plan was for them to be fruitful and to multiply and to fill the earth. But rather than fill the earth and spread out, they all start congregating in one area and they said... Come, let us build a tower whose top may reach unto heaven. And you can read about this uh, in the book of Genesis chapter number seven, uh, excuse me, chapter number 11. And so they build what's called the Tower of Babel. Some people believe that Nimrod was the head of this, and I'm not going to take time to get into all that. But uh, then they build this tower. And if you actually study into this tower, actually there's a type of idolatry involved here. And this is the beginning of Babylon as well. But the Tower of Babel is built. And so the Bible tells us that God came down and he looked at what mankind began to build. And he said, uh, look, in fact, let's read it. Genesis chapter 11. And uh, verse number five, And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of men builded. And the Lord said, Behold, the people is one, and they have all one language. And this they begin to do, and now nothing will be restrained from them which they have imagined to do. Go to, let us go down, and there confound their language, that they may not understand one another's speech. Remember, once again, Genesis is the book of beginnings. So the Lord scattered them abroad from thence upon the face of all the earth and they left off to build the city. Therefore is the name of it called Babel because the Lord did there confound the language of all the earth and from thence did the Lord scatter them abroad upon the face of the earth. Babel, which means confusion. And so they're spread abroad across the face of the earth. So this was the beginning of languages. So once again it looks hopeless. The earth has become wicked. They're spread all over the face of the earth, which is what they should have done anyway, but they're spread all over the face of the earth. There's all these different languages and confusion. Can God find a righteous man? The answer is yes. Once again, there's only one man. Like it was in the days of Noah, there's one man who's righteous. Chapter 12 is going to tell us the story about Abram. And that's what we're going to talk about in lesson number three. We're going to try to get all the way from from Abraham, all the way through uh, Joseph in lesson number three. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for this opportunity that we've had to study the Word of God. God, I'm asking that you would continue to speak to us and give us understanding and revelation through your Word. Help us, God, to have deep understanding. God, help us to have a hunger within our hearts to study your Word. Lord, when we do wrong, help us to confess it, not to be like Cain, who is hard-headed and stubborn, but to repent and to make things right with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. Please tune in again and listen to the next lesson.